Well, the past few weeks, if you've been with us, we have looked at the church. And from the vantage point of the Lord Jesus in the New Testament, we saw that the wonderful dimension of the church is both local and universal, called out to worship God, sent out to witness. And then last week, we saw this. We saw that churches are devoted communities. Isn't that word incredible? Devoted. Devoted communities. And people who are devoted, that's because we've got distorted hearts. So we're devoted together under Christ as head with our distorted hearts, learning what it is to be the new people of God called out for Him with Christ as the head. And, and our goal in all of this is to inspire in each one of us a new understanding and an appreciation for the church that will hopefully fire a fresh desire to belong to this local church. So there's where, where we've been going the last couple of weeks. Now, today I want us to think a little bit more practically about the church here in Black Rock that we're part of. What does the church look like? Or what should we look like? What should we sound like as we try to reflect the spiritual reality of what the church is and also the models of local church presented in biblical teaching? Now, it's 50 years yesterday since man landed on the moon for the very first time. But I want you to imagine things were the other way around. Just bear with me. Imagine someone came from the moon and landed in Black Rock, and they wrote up what they saw of the lesser spotted church as they peered through these windows and as they spent the next couple of weeks with us here as a local community. What would they write? What would that description of us look like? Well, as I've been reading and studying on this topic, the church, Mark Dever has helpfully pointed out that there are two marks that define local churches, two distinguishing marks of local churches. And we're going to take a look at these two marks and then consider from Philippians 2 one attitude that should define us. As someone writes up what they see, what would they see, that defining attitude, these marks? So there's where we're going, two defining marks and one defining attitude. Well, here's the first defining mark of the local church, and it's this, the right preaching of the Word of God. So, churches should be defined by the right preaching of God's Word. This, in fact, must be the central defining mark of what local churches are about. Um, I mentioned Mark Dever, and he's a, a pastor in the United States. And when he was being interviewed for his position as pastor over in Washington, D.C., he remembers the interview panel before him, and he remembers telling them that he was very happy to see every aspect of his public ministry fail if it needed to, except for the preaching of God's Word. Isn't that quite remarkable? Extraordinary statement. Should nothing else stay standing in Dever's pastoral ministry, the one thing that he said should remain must stay standing in everything. Take precedence, priority, is the public proclamation of the Bible. A priority of preaching over every other aspect of public ministry. Now, hopefully you'll have noticed these weeks that that's something that we're trying to do as we plant a church here in Black Rock. But why, you'll ask? Why preaching? Isn't it so old-fashioned, one person standing, proclaiming a message to a group of other people who have assembled to listen? Why preaching? Why? 
Well, well, if you think about what the Bible says, and as you look through the Bible, it's pretty clear that life comes through the Word of God. Life comes through God's Word. It's the very source, in fact, of all our spiritual life, both as individuals and corporately as, as a group, as a congregation. Think about the Bible for a minute, and I want you to, to flick through the pages of the Bible in your mind. Genesis chapter 1, God spoke and He created. God spoke by His breath. Everything was created, Genesis 1. And then after the fall, God spoke words of promise. He established a, a covenant with Abraham. Then He called His people out of Egypt. He gave them ten words or ten commandments. Here's how you should live as you honor me as God, Exodus 20. We're flicking through the Bible. Then through the law and the prophets, God created and recreated His people by His Word, as God spoke. Well, what do the prophets say over and over again? Thus says the Lord. Here's the Word of the Lord. Listen to what the Lord says. And so, God, by His Word, brings life. That's what, that's what the Bible tells us. Now, when we get to the New Testament, we have it then, John chapter 1, the Word became flesh and tabernacled among His people. Jesus Christ came spectacularly, but not just preaching the Word, but embodying that very Word itself. The Word became flesh. Then we get into the, the letters of the New Testament. Paul writes that faith comes from hearing, and hearing through what? Through the Word of Christ, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the Word of Christ. Have a look at what Mark Dever says here. Just click once more and you'll see it. Here it is. The consistent message of Scripture is that God creates His people and brings them to life through His Word. It's true, isn't it? As you look at the whole sweep of Scripture, God creates and recreates His people, bringing them to life through His Word. So, you could say the church is then generated or defined by the right preaching of God's Word. It's centered then on this Word. And, and the Word, you know, the, the very center of God's Word comes to the gospel, the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're not saying that other ministries and activities like, for example, evangelism, we're not saying that those things don't matter but that the defining mark of the local church must be the proclamation of the Word that gives life. I want you to think of this image. I want you to think of a desert, and I want you to think of a water source and channels, irrigation channels built from that water source throughout dry, barren land. And what happens as the water flows down those channels from one source? Well, it gives life the water and, and feeding where God has planted people then grow. And under this local proclamation of God's Word then, congregations can flourish individually and corporately, growing to maturity. So then evangelism and caring for each other and community involvement and every activity we do comes out of the proclamation, the right preaching of God's Word. It's, it's, it's a wonderful picture, because if you think of well-planted and well-fed and well-watered, these life 
life-giving Word of God does that to local churches and local believers. How will I keep going as a Christian in a culture that's simply turned its back on Christianity by being part of local churches that has this defining mark? How will we reach Buddhistown and Black Rock and Mount Marion and Still Oregon with the gospel? By planting a church irrigated not by the clever strategies and, and, and features and ministries, but by the right preaching of God's Word at the heart of everything we do. Now, usually, when we preach here and, and there's a message preached, it's from a passage of Scripture, and we go consecutively through. And we've had 27 or 28 Sundays together, and bar three of them, this is the third, we have done that. We've looked at one passage of Scripture, and the reason we do that is so that we can very carefully sit under God's Word and watch it unfold before us. And there's a place for other, other types of message. It's still expository in the sense that we look at the Bible's message. And yet what we do as our mainstay, as our bread and butter, as our, as our main diet, is to see the Bible unfolded, the Word of God explained and proclaimed in local congregations. You know, we probably don't have the best sound system, dare I say it. We probably don't have the coolest furnishings, dare I say it. We probably don't even have the most Instagrammable sermon graphics, dare I say it, or the most tweetable quotes. I'll, I'll let you into something. This is, this is quite funny. Um, one of my sons, we were talking about what I do on a Sunday morning, and I was telling him that I take the sermon that I've been preparing all week, and I, I sort of tweak it. I go through it and, and change things. And he stopped and said, you tweet the sermon? <laughs> and, like to see if it's any good, you tweet it? So I said tweak as in correct and change and make it better. He heard tweet as in that I was putting it out on social media. But anyway, we don't have the most tweetable quotes in our sermons. But, you know, hopefully any observer who was looking at us, hopefully anyone looking in, listening to us, spending time with us, would be able to say that they heard messages proclaimed from Scripture. Because if they're proclaimed from anywhere else, all they'll hear is the dry vault of a preacher's wit or intellect or creativity. There's no life there. But instead, we sit under the living, life-giving Word of God. Here's my plea to you. If you go to live or study anywhere else, whether it's in Ireland or across the world, and you're wondering if you're at the right church, put this defining mark at the top of your search criteria, the right preaching of God's Word. It must be up there. Um, it must be the defining thing, the life-giving preaching of God's life-giving Word. Five years ago, I was starting my pastoral ministry here in Ireland, and a couple of Christian teenagers made a decision to leave the local church. They decided to go and join another church. Now, today, their faith, it would seem, has been shipwrecked. Why? How? Well, none of us really know, but it's shipwrecked as I see it on the rocks of churches that have put other things as the defining mark of their church. 
that other ministries have become more important than the public proclamation of God's Word. Other things above this mark of the right preaching. And then I was reflecting on my own journey. I I came from a local church years ago where the priority of preaching was so far down that list that we hardly, we got scraps, we got little sips of water every so often. And then when I came and heard the Bible proclaimed, it changed my life. And God changes people's lives. He gives life. How? By His Word, through His Word. Nothing else, no other place will give you the life-bringing Word than under His Scripture, hearing uh, the right preaching of God's Word. Well, parents, perhaps you are bringing up kids. Um, Let me encourage you to do something. Sometimes this goes lesser spotted in our churches. So, we sort of take for granted why we do church the way we do it. But let me encourage you parents, tell your children the difference it has made in your life. Like the story I just told you about my own. Tell them what it meant to sit under the public ministry of God's Word and why that's more important than the music or the furnishings or the the graphics. And then wean your children. And then if you did that years ago, but I want you to wean your children to listen to the messages from God's Word and to hear you applying them in your own lives and maybe taking chunks of sermon, listening to it together and hearing how the Word of God is applied in your own life. Wean your children. Bring them to understand and appreciate why that's not only important and nice, but how it's vital for their spiritual well-being for their life in Christ. Ask them what they're learning in the kids' club. And then for all of us, whether you're a parent or not, we must consistently gather. We must sit under the Word of God proclaimed week after week, hearing the preaching of God's Word, not because of the preacher, but because that is where the life comes in local churches where God's Word is proclaimed. Defining mark number one, the right preaching of God's Word. Well, secondly then, we're going to look at the second defining mark, and this might surprise you a little bit. Have a look at it. The right administration of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Now, you might be surprised. Well, why would that be a a defining mark of the local church? Well, let me help, let me explain why I think that this is both biblical and helpful to see this as a defining mark of the local church. Now, what are baptism and the Lord's Supper? Well, we often call them ordinances, sometimes sacraments, but ordinances in the sense that they were ordained or established or taught by the Lord Jesus Christ. He ordained them. He established them. Baptism and the fact, well, Jesus himself was baptized, as we saw in Mark's gospel, chapter 1, verse 9, he, he was baptized, identifying with sinful human beings, and then set out on his ministry. But also, he told his followers in Matthew 28 to go and, and baptize those who would respond to the gospel, those who would turn from living for themselves. He said, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So, Jesus gave this ordinance. He established this And then the Lord's Supper, you'll remember those words, do this in remembrance of me. 
So when this Lord's Supper was established among his followers just before he, he was betrayed, Jesus said, share this simple meal, the bread and the wine, in remembrance of me. So these two ordinances are important and should define the local church. And here's two reasons for it. Firstly, and the reasons aren't up here, but I'll explain them. Firstly, these are visible portraits of the gospel. Have you ever been to a portrait gallery? There's almost too much to take in if you go to an art gallery and you're looking around. But I want you to imagine a gallery with two portraits. It's Black Rock Community Church. And there are two portraits and there's a stand at the front where someone is proclaiming God's word. So you're hearing the word of God, but you're also seeing two portraits, one on each side. They're visible portraits of the gospel, baptism and the Lord's Supper. If you like, they're powerful illustrations, pictures of the gospel already being proclaimed as the message is given, as God's word is read. So, in other words, they're visual enactments of the gospel. I want you to think about baptism. What is it a picture of? Well, it's very visual. If you've ever been to a baptism and you see someone going under the water, dead to their old way of life, spiritually dead, not just sick, spiritually dead until new life in Christ came. Now, the baptism itself doesn't make someone a Christian. It symbolizes, it pictures what has gone on at a spiritual level. So, there's one picture this wonderful picture of the gospel, Jesus Christ, dead, taking on himself the sins of sinful humans, and then rising to life. Now, I heard one pastor saying that he'd love to preach a sermon while he was in the baptistry, and while baptizing someone, he said, I wish I could sort of baptize them and hold them under the water and teach them that, that they were dead, and then hold them and explain the gospel and then bring them up, and they would gasp for life, and everyone would see. Now, that's not a, probably a great pastoral method, uh, but it would be very effective as a picture to see the difference between under the water, who could breathe new life when they come? I mean, what a picture it is, isn't it? Until you're born again into new life in Christ. So, there's one portrait. You're hearing the Word of God preached. You see the picture of, of, of baptism. Then the Lord suffers on the other side, it's a powerful picture. Jesus' body broken, given for us, his blood shed for us. As Christians, we share in that death. The only way we can have a new life is by his atoning sacrifice for our sins. Isn't that a picture? Um, there was a song whenever I was a teenager in the 90s, a Christian song, and the, the chorus went like this, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. Well, I think we should have both. I think we should listen to God's Word and then see the gospel proclamation in the local church. What does it look like? Well, it looks like baptism, that picture of death to life. It looks like the Lord's Supper, and it sounds like the Word of God explained and expounded, life-giving. So, that's a little bit about baptism and the Lord's Supper. Well, secondly, as well as these wonderful pictures, these ordinances define who's actually in the church and who's not in the church. Isn't that very interesting that both these things define that? Anyone and everyone is welcome to Black Rock. Everybody, come and hear the gospel. Come and see baptism. Come and see the Lord's Supper, how it's shared. 
but we encourage only Christians to take the bread and the cup for themselves. Only Christians to be baptized as believers. That was the New Testament pattern. So you see how automatically, through baptism and the Lord's Supper, it defines the local church. There's the boundary. I'm baptized. I've pledged allegiance to Christ. I'm a Christian. I'm part of the church. I'm taking the Lord's Supper. It's I'm sharing in His death. I'm part of the local church, a public showing who's part of it. Have a look at what what Dever says on this. Um, There's another uh, quotation here. He says that these things, baptism and the Lord's Supper, these ordinances, they are the outward signs or visible boundaries that distinguish a particular people from the world. Yet, matching that outward message is an inward message. The ordinances also remind Christians of the fellowship they enjoy with God and one another. It's like a a membership badge. It's like, I belong here. I belong to Christ. I belong to my brothers and sisters. Isn't that wonderful how both these things encourage us to feel that we are not in the world? We are different. We're set apart. Every, Every so often, you'll hear in the news about the restoration of an old portrait or a picture now, some of them have gone horribly wrong. I'm not sure if you saw one recently where it looked like I had done it and taken a, a swab with, I don't know, nail varnish remover and put it all over a medieval portrait and, and ruined it. But sometimes there's a very careful restoration of some of these old paintings. And I reckon sometimes in church life we need to uh, a careful restoration of both these pictures. What are they about? What does the Bible say about them? What do they signify? What do they distinguish? Maybe the stain and tarnish of the years washed off. So if you're a Christian, let me ask you this. Come and be baptized if you have not been baptized as a believer in Christ. It's a picture of what has already happened spiritually. And it's a testimony to the world that you belong to Christ. It's a testimony to your brothers and sisters that you belong to them that you're called out to worship, sent out to serve each other and witness to the world. Come and be baptized. Come and make this public profession of the saving work of Christ in your own life, that declaration you belong to Christ and the church. And then also, let me encourage you to share this wonderful supper with your brothers and sisters. Let's do it as often as we can. Let's meet together Next week, we'll share the Lord's Supper together. What a privilege. What a personal identification with Christ's saving work. Communion with both God and fellow Christians through the Spirit. It's it's wonderful. Come and share the Lord's Supper. We've seen two defining marks of the church, and our moon friend will hopefully see that in us in the weeks and months and years to come. But I want to finish here with with the defining attitude. Hopefully, if you were writing these things down, you would also notice something that's maybe a little harder to capture in words. And it's from the words that we read from Philippians. And would you turn back to those, please, just for a minute or two as we finish? Philippians chapter 2, and we'll read from verse 1. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. 
Paul writes, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. We've been asking what the local church looks like. And, you know, sadly, many people have looked at churches and seen what could be just any other human club, bickering members, rivalries, politicking. And when he wrote this letter to the Philippians, Paul challenged the local church there to look different, to have a defining attitude that would set them apart, stand them out. Um, Look down to, to verse 15, that they would shine like lights, or in another version, shine like stars. That attitude is one that matches up with that of Jesus Christ's attitude, verse 5, verse 6. You know, these have been precious months together, and we long together for this local church to grow and thrive, where people can come and hear the gospel, the right preaching of God's Word, and see the gospel, the right administration of, of baptism and the Lord's Supper, And then watch a church community in every dealing with each other, every time we talk and deal with one another to reflect the attitude of their captain, Christ, who considered himself nothing. Wouldn't that change how we do church? What would we look like? We would reflect Christ, our captain. I come from a church where These verses are are read often when they meet together in church meetings. In some ways, we should be reading them every day before we meet each other, that our attitude will be the same as that of Christ, defined by the mind of Christ who gave himself up. Well, let's take a moment to think about what the church looks and sounds like, and let's reflect on it these next few weeks as we consider the next chapter in Black Rock Community Church. Let's pray together. Father, would you help us as we consider these marks of the local church? Help us to have your word open and be ready to listen to it. And help us to be people who reflect you, who reflect Christ in every dealing with each other. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.